the optimal life. Adarsh, welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Your persistence paid off. You know, 15 years old, and you reached out through a cold email, Mm -hmm. and then you just hounded me for about three or four weeks, and here we are. So well done. Well done. If there's the first lesson you can teach your peers is, hey, stay persistent, stay aggressive, keep going. Yeah. How did you come across the Optimal Life podcast? So I was, I was just, obviously I'm trying to get my message out there. I'm trying to get my story out there. So I was just, you know, going through every single podcast that I could listening to episodes, seeing which one, you know, fit best with me, seeing which one I could add value to. And I just went from there. What stuck out to you about this podcast? It's kind of, kind of like the message. It's, it's about like, you know, it's, it's mainly about the audience, you know, trying to provide the audience with more value, trying to you know, help them live better lives, help them get to where they want to be in life. And uh, I kind of wanted to join in on that. How at 15 years old do you have such drive to make an impact on people's lives? Yeah, you know, um, I am young, but I've had a lot of experiences in my life. I've went through a lot of failures, a lot of a lot of things that have happened in my life that have shaped me to who I am today. And at the age of 15, I'm really lucky to have found my, my purpose in life. You know, not many people um, are able to find their purpose in life um, this early, but I, I have. So over the past few years, I've been working on that. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to uh, get it out now. You said I have been holding in. You, you said, I know it may be hard to believe, but all I need is one chance to prove my value and my worth. I have mm-hmm. been holding in this information and when you say this information of, uh, on life for the past two years, I think you're talking about, you say something about speaking real shit to the 99% to finally turn the 1% into the 2%. What, what exactly does all this mean? Yeah. So in life, um, most people try and strive towards the top 1% of people. So the top 1% of people are the people who are living their lives the best. Those are the richest people. Those are the wealthy guys. Everybody essentially wants to be like them because those are the guys. They're essentially at the top of the world. But the thing with the top 1%, not everybody has the chance or the knowledge to get to that spot. So I want to talk in a common language. I'm not using any big words. I'm not using, I don't, I don't have a college degree, none of that. I'm literally just talking to the rest of the other 99% of the population so I can turn that top 1% into a top 2% now. So talk to us. How do we get there? How do we get there? All right. Um, so the first thing is we have to get control of our minds, you know. So the mind is the only only goddamn thing in the world that we can have control of, yet probably majority of the population has no control over it. And it's kind of it's kind of sad in that fact because everybody wants to be successful everybody wants the money everybody wants to become happy but nobody is essentially willing to put in the work to get control of their mind because you can't expect things to fall down into your life pathway and you have no control of whatever you're doing like it doesn't work like that you actually have to put in some work behind the scenes you have to go at it you have to drive you have to be persistent or else you're not going to get any of the opportunities that you actually want in life and you know Controlling your mind um, is an extremely hard thing to do. It's not easy. And I'd make the claim that I have I have uh, one of the highest control of our minds in the world. And the, the problem with that is I only have about like 60%. But the fact that I have 60%, which is just over 50%, but the fact that nobody else in the world has it automatically puts me 
puts me at the top. It automatically allows me to, you know, gain more opportunities. It allows me to have that mindset where I'm willing to do anything to get where I want to be. So, you know, controlling your mind breaks down into a lot of different categories. Um, it breaks down into about 11 categories, but they're all different percentages on your life. And one of the main ones that, you know, everybody likes to talk about is, um, I'm not sure if you're um, familiar with it, but it's the mama mentality. So the mama mentality is obviously by um, Kobe Bryant, one of the one of the great, one of the legends in our world. And, you know, I remember Kobe Bryant, you know, he was a great basketball player and all, but what I remember him for was his, like, it was his mindset, his mentality, because that's what stuck with me from his existence on this earth. Because even after basketball, even after all of that, he still continued to have an impact on his, on his fellow teammates, on his family, on, on the world itself. So getting that mentality is an extremely important thing. But the problem is where mo most people get it wrong is that mentality is only 10% of controlling your mind. So everybody focuses on getting that mentality, but that's only 10% of controlling your mind. So even if you have the perfect mama mentality, you're only going to be 10% of the way there, which is why, which is why I need to bring this up to people's attention. So they don't just waste all of their time on one thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to get that mama mentality. It's extremely important. It's a vital thing to get control of your mind. But the problem is you can't focus all of your energy onto that or else you're only going to make it 10% of the way there. And you know, the mama mentality is extremely impactful. The mama mentality is about, you know, not giving up. It's about working hard. But one thing that really struck out to me is something called dark work. So dark work is essentially the work that is done, not in the light. And the reason that is, is because God only takes in the work that is not done for your attention. So um, let me break this down. So essentially, when people do work for the reasoning of gaining other people's attention or people do work for the reasoning of, oh, I did work trying to show off to everybody else, that work does not count. It has to be the work that's done for you. It's done in the dark. It's done at the times nobody else wants to work. It's done when nobody else is, it's like nobody else is wanting to do it. Dark work is a work that nobody else wants to do. Nobody else wants to sit here and send out cold emails for for hours and weeks and months of their lives, you know, because usually cold emails don't hit. But it, but at this stage, it's something that you have to do. Nobody else is going to do it. I'm doing it at the times. I'm doing it early in the morning, 5 a.m. I'm doing it late at night, 12 a.m. Those are the times that everybody else is sleeping. That's what dark work is all about, you know. So I, I know this guy and um, he's a he's a he's a really good soccer player and he works extremely hard. And on, he always posts on Instagram stories of him, him training, him working out. And the reason why he is not getting to where he wants, because he's extremely talented, extremely hardworking, but he's not at the level he wants to be, is because I know that he's working. He's posting on Instagram and simultaneously in your mind, when you post that picture on Instagram that like, oh, I'm at the field 5 a.m. putting that work in, realistically, you're doing that to gain other people's attention. So when people look at your Instagram, they're like, damn, this guy's working like, damn, this guy's really up. So the, your, the whole purpose of your training session was to get the attention of other people. It's not going to work out. You're, you're essentially you're not getting credit for that work session. 
You know, I mean, it's all it's all in the mindset. It's all in the mentality. We don't as humans. It's not our first thought to think about it like that. But once you start getting control of your mind, once you start learning about life and wisdom and listening to other podcasts and people, you start to pick these things up and you start to analyze and question everything that you do as a human. So when I look at all of my friends, I look at my family, my cousins, everything, I see what they're doing and I see, is it wrong? Is it right? And why? That's the most important part, because sometimes in life, you just have to sit there and be quiet. You know, listening to people is probably the one of the greatest skills you can have in life. Because if you're not willing to listen, you're not going to be able to, one, hear anything any people say, but that's not really an important part, is you're not, if you're not listening, that means you're talking. If you're talking, not only are you giving out too much information, you're not paying attention to your surroundings, you're not analyzing anything. You have to be able to listen. I sat for the past four or five years after I found my purpose, listening to podcasts every single day, listening to the Instagram stories, the Instagram news, listening to live events of motivational speakers. I'm just listening, listening, listening. And now that I've gained all that information, now that I have, I'm plucking out information from here, from here, from here, from here. I'm getting it from all these different sources in life. And now I'm bringing it to me. So I'm taking the best parts of other people and bring it to my soul. So now it's like my time to talk. I've done my share of listening. I'm going to continue to listen for the rest of my life. But now it's my time to talk as well because I've listened to get here. I've done the dark work to get here. You know what I'm saying? So you have to, you have to be able to get that, that control of your mind. But today in this podcast, simply we're talking about 10%. That's just the mama mentality. You know, that mentality is refusing to give up because winners are not defined by their failures. Winners are simply people who don't give up after a failure, you know. Losers do not lose because they fail. Losers lose because they quit after failing. Mm. So I'm not sure if you um, know too much about me, but I, in my, in my freshman year of high school, when I was about 13 years old, I joined the science fair. And I had a project on solving the global problem of microplastics. And at the county level, I didn't even freaking place in the top five. County, forget about state, forget about country, national, whatever. In the county level, I ain't even placed in the top five. And the first thing that my mom said to me is like, sir, I son, think of a new project for next year. And I just sat there thinking, man, why in the world should I move on from my project to solving the global problem of microplastics just because I failed? At the end of the day, the problem ain't solved, man. There's still plastics in the goddamn ocean. Why should I switch my projects? Why should I give up on that just because I failed, just because I didn't place in the top five? So the next two years after that, all by myself, in the dark, going back to dark work, you know, 5 a.m. mornings, 12 a.m. at night, when nobody else was looking, my parents didn't even know I was working about it. It was all by myself. It was for myself. I'm working, sending out emails to different professors that helped me out to get information from them. And I'm just working, working, working. It took me nine goddamn prototypes to finally get a solution that worked and i was able to get that published in like in an article in a research paper nine solutions man and most the sad part is most people would have given up after they didn't even place in the science fair and that's where everybody goes wrong because they always give up i did not lose i did not fail because I, i don't count those as failures those prototypes that didn't work that's not failure to me that's just growth. When I didn't place in the science fair, that wasn't failure. That was growth. But everybody else, like my mom, that was failure, man. I didn't place the top five. Like that project's dead. Get it out of there. Mm-hmm. Nah, the project's not dead. I just need to make it better. I take that as a learning experience. I spent two years after that working on it. 
two years. Most people ain't even willing to spend two months on something. You have to be willing to dedicate yourself. You have to be willing to dedicate all of your time, energy. And once again, back to dark work, at the times nobody else is willing to dedicate themselves. At the things nobody else is willing to dedicate themselves. I got told so many times, man, I'm a 15-year-old trying to solve a global problem. How the hell is that going to work? I don't got no college degree. I don't got no no freaking experience. And to be honest, if you ask me about my solution right now, I can't explain the science behind it. The only reason I got that solution is because I literally tried everything. Failure, failure, failure. Mine wasn't research. I didn't do no scientific work. I literally did trial and error. I kept going until it finally worked. So essentially, I don't lose. I never lose because I'm never I'm never willing to give up on something that I actually care about, something that I'm passionate about. I'm never willing to give up on it. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep working. And once people adapt that mindset, that mama mentality that they're going to keep going no matter what, you simply can't lose. It's not a matter of if you're going to win. It's just win. And, you know, I'm proud to say that today is my win because my for the past two years, three years, I've been working to get on a podcast. You know, that was my purpose in life. Speak real shit to the 99% of people. How do I do that? I get on podcasts. I'm getting on, you know, I'm getting on news articles. I'm reporting podcasts. They're coming out. I'm getting my name out there. That was my purpose being fulfilled. That's my journey. And I'm going to keep going because just because you get somewhere doesn't mean you stop. Because when you get to the top, that's when everybody starts hating on you. That's when they start putting the pressure on you. And you either keep going and you get even better or you slow down and you go back to where you were. Let me uh, let me interject this uh, very uh, inspirational words that you're speaking and you articulate them extremely well for a teenager who probably doesn't even have a driver's license yet. Uh, So several things. One, you definitely are talking about living by the notion that there are no losing. There's no losing. You you either win or you learn. And you clearly have learned through your shortcomings they're not failures but shortcomings or coming up you know not to where you wanted it to be you have continued to let those learning situations fuel you it sounds as if you've been fueled by hey i wasn't the best at that time i'm gonna do everything i can to become the best and i'm not gonna really tell anybody about it to me that's the biggest thing adars that you're talking about is this dark work i've really never heard it put that way but what you're saying makes a lot of sense the people that are putting out their their hard work quote unquote for the world to see are even if they're elite they may be elite athletes elite soccer player elite scientists whatever that they're showing and they may still truly be successful even by putting out the content but what you're saying is there's a piece of them i think what you're saying is there's a piece of them that's still somewhat distracted that's holding them back from maybe reaching a higher level of potential. Yeah. You know, the feeling of love and appreciation, it's it's one of the strongest feelings in the world. You know, everybody wants it. You know, it doesn't matter how how strong you are. It doesn't matter how against you are, how thorough you are, none of that. Everybody succumbs to the feeling of love and appreciation. You know, that feeling of love, when you're actually loved by someone, everybody wants that. So when we put in that work, When we post our work on, you know, when we tell people that I'm working on this project, when we tell people, yeah, dude, I was up at 5 a.m. working on my project that nobody knows about. When you tell people that, you're almost implying that they should be like, damn, this guy's working. You want that feeling of appreciation, like from your, especially from, um, it comes, especially with kids nowadays with their parents. 
They want to feel love from their parents. They want to be appreciated by their parents. So they're going to tell their parents all the things that they're working. But the problem is that they essentially lose some of that value of the true work. Because when you're working for the feeling of being loved by someone else, when you're working to get that feeling of appreciation for someone else, at the end of the day, you're not doing it for yourself no more. There's no drive behind that. There's no passion behind that. The reason why I've been so essentially successful into getting to where I want to be in life is because I'm driving my own shit. I'm not being, I'm not letting someone else drive it. I'm, I'm putting the gas on, I'm putting my gas on, I'm putting my foot on the pedal. Let me ask you, Darsh, how do you define success at 15 years old? What's your definition? My definition of success is getting to where I want to be. And, you know, people ask, um, especially at my age in high school, you're like, what do you want to be in life? You know, what are your goals in life? Who's your role model? And, you know, Essentially, I don't really have a role model because I don't want to live my life like anybody else's. I want to live the life the way that I want to live it. I want to be create my own destiny. And, you know, my goal in life is to be is to meet the expectations of where I am in 10 years. So the person that I'm constantly chasing within my life is my future self in 10 years, because in my mind right now, my future self in 10 years is perfect. You know, that guy has bought his mom a house. That guy is successful. That guy is talking to everybody. That guy is fulfilling his purpose. So by chasing that, I'm automatically getting better. I'm, that's, that's my goal right there. That's where I want to be in life. That's my role model. My future self for 10 years, I want to be like him. I will never get to him because in 10 years from now, my role model then will be my future self for 10 years. So I will never actually achieve that because that guy is perfect. I will never get there. But the sheer fact that I'm willing to drive myself there, I'm willing to continuously work hard and keep going to get to this level. The fact that I'm willing to chase something that I know cannot be achieved puts me ahead of most of my opponents at my age and even in the world, because I'm willing to go for something that doesn't exist. Most people are willing to only work for something that they know they can win at. Mm. Who are you going to be at the age of 30? What will you be doing? What will I be doing? I'll be fulfilling my purpose in, earth, in this world. And whatever my purpose is at that time, I'll be fulfilling it. That's all I know. What do you see yourself doing professionally? What do I see myself speaking, man? Speak. I, I feel like my true value in life comes from the way I speak in a common language to words. You know, I'm not using any big vocabulary. I'm getting my point across the way I wanted to. And I'm speaking with a flow and a passion and a purpose and that's that's what I that's what I want to be doing in my future. I want to just be talking and speaking and trying to fulfill my purpose of inspiring people in life. Talk to us about this foster home experience. How old were you when you went into the foster system? Yeah, so I was about, you know, maybe six or seven years old. Um, I don't have a you know, I obviously have a vivid memory of like the experience, but I'm not like the time frame is a little bit iffy, but the way I think about it is right now I'm on my second life. So I believe that everybody in this world has two lives. The first life ends when you realize you only have one life. That's when the second life starts. The second life starts when you realize you only have one and you realize that you're the only person in the goddamn world that's actually going to want it for you. You know, you're the only person in the world that can make you successful and you're the only person in the world that can fuck this up. I'm just being straight up. That's how it is. So right now I'm on my second life and that's why I'm so blessed. And I'm able to talk about all these things. But yeah, back to that experience. The reason why that experience was so impactful on my first life is because at that age, I was at the peak of my life, man. 
I was playing video games with my friends, hanging out with love by my family. That's when the when you're a child, it's like especially the second child, like the youngest child in the family, you're loved by everybody. You're loved by your mom, your dad, grandparents, sister. You feel like you're getting all the love up here. And all of a sudden, the next day, I'm at back of the police car going to home. No mom to talk to, no dad to talk to, no sister to talk to. But my foster parent didn't care about me. She said, I got I got cereal three days a meal, man. She was probably just there to collect the paycheck. She did not care about me. You know, Why did your parents, what, what happened? Why, why did you have to get sent to the foster system? You know, it's a complicated story. I don't know too much about it yet because my parents have been, you know, keeping that to them. But, you know, I'm grateful for that experience. I was only there for... Um, not a long amount of time. How long were you there for? Probably about a couple months. A couple months. Yeah, but the thing is, the reason why it's been so impactful in my life is because I went from here to here. That drop at that such of a young age has taught me that that was the very first lesson I learned in my life. You know, before we got to this um, topic, I was talking about all these things that I've learned, all these experiences. But the very first thing that I learned in my life was a lesson that I was the only person in the world that can have my back. I'm the only person I can trust. I'm the only person who can want it for me. Because at the time, I needed help the most. When I was at my lowest at the lowest, nobody was there, man. I couldn't talk to nobody. No phone, no nothing. I was the only person there for myself. I had to take care of myself. So learning that lesson at such a young age has been so impactful and so you know, beneficial for me that I'm grateful for the experience. You know, I'm not going to say it was a terrible experience. It was. But I'm grateful for it because I know God put me on that path for a reason. Have your parents been able to regain your trust since then? Regain my trust? Uh, my parents, you know, my parents, I love my parents, man. My parents do everything for me. They sacrifice everything for me. You know, my mom, she doesn't go to nail salons, none of that. She gets the cheapest thing on the menu because she invests every last dollar into me, into my, you know, my club soccer program, into my education. She puts everything into me. So does my dad. So I love my parents, but no, that that lesson that I learned at such a young age, I I can trust my parents, but not with everything. That, there's a reason why I'm doing all this stuff on uh, when I talk about dark work. I'm not I'm not telling anybody about this. My parents don't even know about this. My parents don't know that I'll, I'm on this podcast right now. It's not because I don't trust them. It's because I want to keep it to myself. I want to make sure that I get full credit for my work. I don't want my I don't want to be doing work so I can be loved and appreciated by my parents. My parents love me for other reasons, you know, because I'm their son. They love me because, you know, they, they have the reason why they love me. But I don't want one of that reasons to be because I work hard, because I'm on this podcast, because I'm doing all these things. I want them to love me for myself. So that's the reason why I don't really tell them about this. And, you know, I do trust my parents. I They're probably they obviously I trust them the most, but. It's it's a, it's a, it's it kind of it goes back to dark work. I just don't tell them everything. It's not on them. It's more of a personal thing. It's I I haven't even told them that I don't. You know, I I'm the only person I can trust. It's just do, the do lesson. You think, that do you with. think that I'm trying to dig into this a little, uh, Adarsh? Mm-hmm. Do you think that had you not gone to the foster system even for a period of several months, I feel like something had to trigger in you at, at a young age to to really put you on this path of self-development, personal development, personal growth, and having this, this wildly innate uh, sense of, of competition and wanting to be the best and striving and striving. Something happened. That doesn't just come about as you're living a cozy, normal life. Something triggered this. What do you think? I think triggered this, man. You know, it is partially due to... Um, 
I found I found a lot of real people in my life. Um, so obviously I'm I'm Indian, and you know Asians and Indians typically are really conservative. They like to keep things to themselves. You know they're really sneaky about it, especially when it comes to getting into college for some reason academics. But that wasn't my friend group. You know I'm actually really close with the, with the Mexicans at my school. I'm really close with the black people in my school, and you know. what really sparked me to grow is, is seeing their situations. You know, I'm blessed to be living in this. I live in a beautiful house. I'm in a gated community, but I see their situations, man. Those people, um, there's a specific thing that I, that I remember right now. It was the day after July 4th and we had practice as a team. And I asked one of my friends, like, yo, do you like fireworks? And he was like, no, I was, I was hugging my mom crying because every time I heard the fireworks, it reminded me of gunshots. Cause he lost his dad. His dad got shot. So seeing my my closest friend, my boys, the people that I love, the people who have my back, seeing them go through that stuff, it wants it pushes me to become better because I want to make it for them. I want to help them out. I want to do it for them because they don't have the same type of opportunities that I have. You know, I'm blessed to be living in a gated community right now. They don't have that same luxury, so I have to make the most of my situation. But do your friends enjoy hanging out with you or, or do, do they feel like they're hanging out with someone well beyond the, their years? Are you able to talk to these people and, no. and relate so, to them at 15 years old or is there some is there a, a divide? No. So I, I have I have two sides of me. So I, the side that I'm showing you right now, nobody knows about. Nobody knows about it. It's it's only on the podcast. It's only on the articles. Everybody else, my family, my my loved ones, my friends, they got they got another side of me. They have more of the Indian side of me. You know, the you know the academic guy, the guy who plays soccer, the the chill guy, the guy who's on the playing Fortnite, playing video games with them. That's their side. This side of me, this like my my the purpose side, the driven side, the side that wants it all, the side that's willing to do anything. Nobody nobody's heard that side yet. My friends don't know about it. My this family is your first. Know. This is your coming out party. This is my coming up party. And people, how are they going to react when they see the side of you? When they see the side of me, it's uh, you know I've been thinking about this. It's going to be interesting to see their reactions. Um, I feel like the first people to to be, feel interested about is my parents. Because, you know, the foster home experience, we don't really talk about anymore, obviously, because it's it's more of like a holding back than a getting up. So we rarely talk about it. So it, it's going to be funny to see how that it impacted my life, how they changed the life, because I haven't told them any of it, you know, because I'm really passionate about that dark work. I really believe in it. I don't know why. I can't tell you why I believe in it so much, but I really do. So. What what where else was the trust lost? Your your parents broke some trust. Where else? So you said something about the foster system. Okay, she gave you three meals for cereal every day. Those were your meals. What else happened inside that system where you kind of said, "Hey, I'm I gotta be my number one advocate because nobody else is really gonna have my back besides me." Yeah, it it was the fact that I had to take care of myself, but it was also a little bit of a, a jealousy in there because obviously I have an older sister, so she got sent to a foster home as well, but they didn't keep us together. So one, there was one day where my sister visited me and she had the most loving foster mom in the world, man. White lady, white lady, like young, you know, taking care of her, buying everything she wants. Mom, my sister was leaving, living her dream life over there. You come over to my side, my side's dead, man. My, my, my parents didn't care about me. She didn't get nothing. I was all by myself. So being, so seeing that my sister had all of that and at that young age, you have to be jealous. You know, it's just like a human thing, jealousy. I see my sister all the way up here and like me down here. I don't have nothing. 
that also sparked a little bit in me like okay i have to get it for myself if my foster mom's not gonna give it for me i have to do it for myself i have to start doing it for myself now yeah but yeah what it, scares you what scares you adarsh it's it's hard to really pinpoint what started my journey um it was a lot it was especially coming through failure living in an asian household um i had a I you know obviously Asians love music. I was playing the piano. I failed that exam. You know I'm not sure if you know what AP is, but it's like the highest level high school class you could take. I failed that exam, and you know it's not like I didn't work hard for it, but like I just failed it. And that that experience was so upbringing from my family, especially my mom, my dad. Those boys were about to cry when they saw me fail. You know deep down inside, I didn't really obviously I cared, but I wasn't too affected by it because I knew that this was my destiny right here talking to you. That's my purpose in life. That's what I wanted to do. But for them, they don't, they don't know this side of me. All they know is the other side, the side that's academic, the side that plays sports. That's what they know. So seeing that guy fail, you know, they, they really increased the restriction on me, but that just allowed me to take more control over my mind. So now I don't got to worry about their opinions. I have to keep working to what I want to be too. You know, I love my parents and my parents want the best for me. They truly want me to be successful in life. But the problem is their definition of successful is different than mine. Their definition of successful, the one that they want from me is, you know, going to Stanford, Harvard, you know, getting that, 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 that job out of college right away, you know, getting a good pay, computer science, engineering, all of that. But that's not my definition of successful. My definition of successful is becoming financially free. My definition of successful is fulfilling my purpose, talking to people. My definition of successful is taking care of my mom, my dad, giving them their own house, making sure they don't got to pay the rent no more. That's what my definition of successful is. But obviously, they don't know that side of me. So I have to just keep quiet. You know, they're going to keep talking. They're going to keep trying to push me in that way. But I have to take control of my mind to steer myself the other way. And, you know, it, it's hard, but... What scares you? What scares you the most, Adarsh, at this point in your life? What scares me the most is is missing out on on opportunities and not making and not making like taking full advantage of them. I'm scared of not fulfilling my purpose by the time I die because tomorrow's not guaranteed, man. I've seen I've a lot of my I have a lot of close friends that have lost family members. I've lost family members. My very first family member that I lost was at the age of third grade. And that's kind of where the, well, the 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 bad guy inside of me sparked, because it was the way that my parents brought up the 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 death. So I, it was my dad's uh, my dad's dad. So my grandpa that passed away, and I was third grade. I'm young. My parents. I don't know what death is. You know. I think I at that age, everybody lives forever, man. Right. And all of a sudden, my mom says we're going to India because uh, my my grandpa lived in India. We take that's a month trip right there. In my mind right now, I'm the happiest that I can be. I'm skipping school, no schoolwork, no no work I got to do. I'm going to India, see my cousins, have some fun over there. And we arrive at the house. I'm still in the mindset that I'm going to have the time of my life. And all and Indian, um, in India, the families are really large. So everybody's lined up in the stairway going to the home. Everybody, were, you, were you in Delhi? Um, no, I was in, in Madurai. Okay. I've been to Delhi. I've been to Kolkata. Calcutta, yeah. I don't know how they say it exactly. Yeah, it, it, there, there's big families over there. And, yeah. you know, there's a house and there's a stairway. Everybody lined up, was on the stairway, lined up, heads down. My dad walks storming in. You know, he's he's pissed. My mom's following him, supporting him. They told my sister because my sister was in about like seventh, eighth grade, so she knew. And they're all heads down, sad, obviously. 
and my ass is skipping into the house. You know, I'm excited as can be. And then all of a sudden, I see my grandma crying, my dad crying. That was the first time I ever saw my dad cry in my life. And, you know, once again, from being up here all the way to this happy to being down here, everybody crying, everybody's sad, everybody, you just lost somebody. That drop right there, it wasn't the fact that he died. That was that's hard, obviously. But the, from going up from up, up here to down here, that drop. Same thing with the foster home, from being loved to up here to down here. Those significant, drastic drops in my life, like, damn, that's what's affecting me. So you ask me what I'm scared about. I'm scared about, because I, I don't know if tomorrow's not guaranteed. So I want to make sure that even if I die today, even if I die tomorrow, I would have worked my hardest. I would have worked my best to fulfill my purpose in life. I would have worked my best to make it to where I want to be. So I'm scared that, you know, I'm not taking advantage of all my opportunities. I'm scared that I'm not fulfilling my purpose good enough. I'm scared that I'm not doing enough work. I'm scared. I'm Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just scared that I'm not doing enough to where I want to be. So if I die tomorrow, I would be happy. Well, what else you're also scared of, and you said it, is that you're scared of the fall. Because yeah. you don't want to be too high and then go low, too high and then go low. And that's something that you just articulated in that example. So I wonder if that fear, keep that fear in mind with you as you continue to go on, because it's okay to go high. It's okay to go high because you, you're clearly ambitious. Mm -hmm. So you want to go as high as you possibly can. You know, don't let the the fear of the fall potentially even hold you back as, as, motivated as ambitious as you are you yeah. don't like that feeling because you've experienced those several times throughout your your young life mm -hmm. yeah. where can people find you online social media etc you know obviously first my first podcast so they can find me on instagram at a dark stop 15 but you know this is my journey this is my come up i'm i'm not i'm not gonna stop now you know, I made it. This is this is I'm I'm so happy to be here. This this signifies this, you know, exemplifies the hard work that I've done. But, you know, now that I've got here, I can't stop. I have to keep going. So I'm going to keep jumping on podcasts. I'm going to keep going. And today we, we briefly talked about, you know, the mama mentality. That's 10 percent right there. There's still 90 percent that needs to be talked about. We obviously can't get to it today and that's OK. But I'm going to talk about the other 90 percent in various different podcasts. So we can keep chaining them. It's going to be an entire journey, man. I'm not, I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep going. That's beautiful stuff. I've got one final question for you. Yeah. When you talk, look at your peers, because you made a comment about how your parents want you to get the Harvard degree and the engineering job, yeah. the standard stuff, the standard route that everyone's supposed to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, that's not me. That doesn't sound like me. That doesn't feel like me. And even if I were to get that, I wouldn't consider myself su successful. Yeah. You're able to keep the noise out because people are going to try to influence you. Not mm -hmm. because they're bad people. I mean, they're your parents oh. or, or they're yeah, they love me. They're your peers or whoever it is. They love you. They want to see th what they think is right. But I feel like there's so many people like you, more the majority who want to go and chase their dreams in various different ways and different avenues. And they're being steered. No, don't do that. That's not safe. Do this. This is what you need to do to be successful. So what's yeah. your message to all your friends, the 15 to 18 year olds, the 22 year olds, whoever's out there listening who are trying yeah. to make a living. Maybe they're in their thirties and forties and they're trying to make a, a pivot. It doesn't, and a change. It doesn't yeah. matter how old you are. What's your advice to those folks on following their heart and following their gut? You know, you have to go for it. 
you, you just have to. Like, there is no backup option. The thing about me is, obviously, I'm academically smart. I have a, I have a 4.8 GPA. I'm still a Harvard-level candidate, but I'm doing this stuff on the side. So you are, there's, there's two routes you could take. You either say, you know, I don't care about you guys. I don't care about you guys' opinions. I know what's best for me. I know what I'm doing. And you go for it. That's what you, you go all in. You go 100 and you go like 500% in. There is no backup option. There is no plan B. Your back is now against the wall. There is no turning back because if you don't make it, you're done. And trust me, you're not going to be done. You're not going to you're not going to live like that because you have to put food on the table. If you're if you're a dad you, or a mom, you have to put food on the table. You have to take care of your family. There is no backup option. You have to go for it. So you either go that way and you're all in because when you're all in and there's no plan B, there's only one option and that's winning. And you better not stop because if you do, then you're done. So you can't stop. And the second option is the option that I've currently taken. Because obviously, it's hard for me to go all in, man. I live in a gated community. I can't ask for more. I have clothes on my clothes on my back, food on my table, shelter on my house, all of that. But I put myself in the situation where my back was on the wall. I adopted, I changed my mindset so that if I do go to college, that would have killed me. You know what I'm saying? So even though my back wasn't against the wall in real life, it essentially was because if I did not make it, if I did not make it onto this podcast, if I did not continue and work on my journey, I would have to go with my parents. I have to go to college. I have to get my degree. And that would have been the end of me. And I'm not letting that happen. So you either realistically life and like actual life have your back against the wall where if you don't make it, there's no food on the table or you put yourself in the scenario where you have your back against the wall. Because obviously age of 15, provided by my parents, you know, I don't have a job or anything, but they, they, they take care of me. So my back's not against the wall, but realistically in my mind, I knew that. Cause you know, when we look at like shark tank and stuff, the guys are always like, you know, I, I need people who have their back against the wall. Cause those people are the ones who are going to win. And I was like, well, how am I going to do that? If, if I'm being financially supported by my parents and I was like, all right, I'll just put myself in that situation. Then I just put myself there. So if I didn't make it, if I didn't make it out, if I didn't, you know, get on these podcasts, if I didn't chase my journey and my purpose, then I have to go with them. And that would be the end. That would have killed me. That would have been my that would have been like me not putting food on the table. So you either realistically have it or you put yourself in the situation to have it. And that's Perfectly how you stated. Great, great way to finish it off. Hey, uh, continued success, continued uh, fulfillment and Continue doing that dark work. We look forward to seeing you on the Forbes list in about 10 years. Yeah, man. I'm going to be there.